Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and this is episode number 107, 107. All right, so this week we're going to talk a little bit about the, the U.S. dollar. Why should you care whether the dollar is weak or strong? And is the U.S. dollar index the best way to sort of keep track of how strong or weak the U.S. dollar is? Uh, there's another one called the, the trade-weighted U.S. dollar index that I'll, I'll kind of explain as well. So what is the U.S. dollar index? Okay, you, If you know this already, then this will be a quick refresher. But it's a basket of currencies. And when we say currencies, unlike a stock, you know, you buy IBM and if it goes from 100 to 101, it went up. It itself went up, not relative to anything else. But currencies are normally quoted as a pair, as a relative basis of value one against the other. So for example, if the the euro slash US dollar, EUR slash USD is currently, I don't know, 1.13. What does that mean? What that means is it's always the second one after the slash. It's how many of those do you need to get one of the, the other? So you need 100, sorry, 1.13, thirteen to get one euro if that's the exchange rate. If it's the other way around, let's say it's USD, US dollar slash JPY, which is the Japanese yen, if that's quote, I don't even know what it's trading at right now, but if it's, let's say it's it's about 110 or so, that means you need 110 Japanese yen to get one US dollar. And so when they're traded at, or quoted as a pair, um, and, and they're not always quoted that way, sometimes they flip it around. In fact, if you've ever traveled internationally and done a currency exchange, you go up to that booth at the airport, and please don't change your money at the airport unless you absolutely have to. The spreads are really wide. The fees are high. That's your your public service announcement. But uh, sometimes they flip it around, and so it will be you know, USD slash EUR, and you're like, well, how do I read this? Well, it might, you might need like you know, 80-something cents, uh, you know, 0.86 of euros to get $1, that type of thing. So, but what they do is the US dollar index is a basket. And so the value of that basket goes up or down depending upon how the US dollar is doing versus a basket of currencies. Now, the US dollar index, as it's set up today, it's pretty Eurocentric. And so, I just kind of I checked real quick in the current weights. Um, the U.S. dollar is against the euro, roughly you know fifty eight percent. The British pound about twelve percent. The Swedish krona, a little over four percent. Swiss franc, just under four percent. And then really, you know, the only I'll call them non eurocentric uh, currencies is Canadian dollar, a little over nine percent weight. And the Japanese yen, about 13 and a half, maybe a little bit more than that. And so much like if you bought a, you know, a basket of stocks, some of the relative, you know, if you were looking at Japanese yen against the US dollar, maybe the yen is strengthening, so the dollar is weakening. Or maybe the dollar strengthening against the British pound, which means the British pound is weakening. So it just it's a it's an index, right? And it goes up or down depending upon you know, the, what all of those are. 
Now, some people point out that, you know, hey, wait a second, you know what's missing in here? Uh, what about China? What about Mexico, especially, you know, in the US, right? Uh, what about, you know, Brazil or other countries? And so you could have a situation where maybe the US dollar is going up or down against these currencies. And let's face it, it's very Eurocentric. I mean, the euro is almost 58%. But is that really the best measure? So one thing that uh, I think it's the the Fed, I don't know if the Fed came out with this or who, I should have looked this up, who sort of created this. But they created a trade-weighted US dollar index. And so basically it looks at all the trading partners, you know, your imports, your exports, and it tries to see, okay, so instead of using those weights, let's go ahead and look at who we trade with, who we, meaning the US, and we're going to weight those currencies. So for example, in the, in the trade-weighted one, uh, I believe these numbers are correct still. Um, for start of the year, Mexico is just under 14%. Uh, Canada has a higher importance, uh, 13.3. And China, which is not in the U.S. dollar index, but is in the U.S. dollar trade-weighted index, uh, that's just under 14%. So there are some people who view that one as a better, I don't know, better way of looking at the dollar. And I'll get into weak dollar versus strong dollar. And, and just incidentally, the euro area was just over 20%. And compared to, you know, 57% plus Sweden, plus uh, the Swiss franc, plus, uh, you know, Britain. So when, you know, compared to that, I mean, really, it's almost 75% of the currencies in the regular U.S. dollar index are Eurocentric versus the trade weighted, only about 20%. Okay, so that's what that is. And um, I'll put a link to a chart for the trade weighted index. I'll put a link to the Fed, Federal Reserve Bank uh, website that has the current components of the trade weighted because uh, it's, it's a little bit difficult to find. And the US dollar is easier to find. You can probably find that just by a quick Google search. Okay. So then why do we care about the US dollar? And interestingly enough, uh, recently, I'm trying to find it here. Yeah, here we go. Uh, speculators is a headline out of in Reuters right at the end of January. And it was speculators up net short dollar bets to largest since May of 2011. So what does that mean? Well, you can look at something like the Commitment of Traders report. Uh, so commodity exchanges, they, they sort of track this. And you can see the value of a short position member. Uh, we did an episode oh, a couple weeks ago about uh, we talked about shorts and things like that. So I'll, I'll put that in the, the show notes. You can certainly check that out. Uh, but they tracked that thing, and it was um, about thirty-four and a half billion in the week ended in January. So that's kind of they're saying it's the largest shorted position. So you're betting against the dollar. You're expecting the dollar to go down, and they don't say it, but you know I'm assuming they're they're looking at the uh, the regular U.S. dollar index, not the trade weighted. So anytime that you have a, a really big long or short position, it is interesting because we know if, if let's say, 
um, those traders or those positions are not right and the dollar swings around, we actually saw the dollar rise again. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about how interest rates affect currencies in a second. But certainly any break higher, materially higher in the dollar would see a lot of unwinding of that position. Now, also, um, people could be hedging other positions by going short the dollar. Remember that, you know, if you own a lot of stocks and you buy, you know, put protection, for example, below the market, it doesn't necessarily mean you're bearish. It just means you want to have a hedge in your portfolio, a floor in the portfolio, but you, you're really net long. Like you're not necessarily rooting for the market to go down. So um, I haven't dug into to see anything more than uh, some of the news on on the short dollar trade, but definitely that that's uh, that's come about. Okay, so interest rates and the dollar, and really any currency. So last week of February, last week as well, we've seen. Uh, I talked about it last week as well on, on the podcast. You can check that out. There was a historic percent change higher in interest rates. And I said it before, I'll say it again now. You know, 30, 39% or 30, 30 to 40% moves higher in the interest rate, not the bonds, but the interest rate on something like the five-year treasury is only, I think it was the second highest of all time. And, but remember, you know, denominator, numerator issue, right? Would rates so low you know, you could have, if rates were 0.2% and they went to 0.4%, that would be a 100% move, right? But certainly with rates going higher, albeit still very low, one of the things you saw is the dollar reacted and the dollar has come off its lows and rallied and kind of a strong rally uh, over this week. And so why is that? Well, one of the reasons is, you know, countries, investors, uh, big institutions, they can sort of decide to, to park their money in different spots. And if the perception is the U.S. dollar is, you know, going to be increasing or the spread in the interest rate that the U.S., let's say, treasuries are paying versus bonds of another country, uh, the U.S. starts to become more and more appealing. And so generally currencies, over the long term, you'll see them you know, rise and fall with, uh, with the spread in interest rates between different countries. That's why they call it the carry trade, where for many years until 2008, 2009, it might have been 2007 when it broke, uh, but there was this powerful uh, New Zealand dollar, which is everybody calls it the Kiwi, and the Japanese yen, and where you'd be buying Kiwi dollars, New Zealand dollars, and selling yen uh, in, in the process. And it was called a carry trade. And the value of the, the Kiwi against the yen continued to go up and up and up for many years. And all the same time, uh, institutions had this trade on uh, since the interest rate on the Kiwi back then, I think it was somewhere around 7%, and it was virtually nothing on the yen you actually had a situation where uh, it's called the carry because the carry is it's a positive carry, meaning you're you're being paid the difference between what you pay uh, on your short Japanese yen position, which is next to nothing in interest, 
because you owe the interest, and then what you get on the Kiwi dollars. And there's a spread in between there. So, you know, if you're looking at interest rates, it's not necessarily what you see in the Wall Street Journal. There's, um, there's spreads involved. Um, take a little bit off each side, things like that. But, you know, that was definitely a very powerful trade. And so interest rates going up relative to another country uh, is certainly a big deal. And that could impact, it could impact, uh, you know, what you're seeing from, um, you know, for the value of the dollar. So the other thing too is that, and this is why, you know, the trade weighted or, or you sort of, sort of got to look beyond just the dollar index, but it is interesting because, you know, emerging market currencies, when they get really weak against the dollar, uh, historically that's been an issue. And the reason why it's an issue is not every country borrows in their own currency. So you think, Okay, so if you're a U.S. corporation or the United States uh, issuing treasury bonds, what do you do? Well, okay, you issue U.S. treasuries, they're in U.S. dollars. If the dollar goes up, dollar goes down. You know, you, you have to pay out the interest payments on this in the same currency as it's denominated. But uh, take Turkey, for example. Turkey, I believe a couple of years ago, they were under some pressure because they borrowed money, so the government of Turkey borrowed money, but not in their own currency. They issued, uh, they basically issued bonds in U.S. dollar-denominated bonds instead of the Turkish lira. And so, if the Turkish lira gets really weak against the U.S. dollar, it takes more lira to go and buy. I'm uh, sorry, not to buy, to to pay the interest. So imagine, you know, you issue a bond, and let's let's just pretend it's a thousand bucks. I know they they probably did billions of dollars or millions of dollars. But let's say you issue a bond for $1,000 and uh, we'll use uh, we use the euro, right? So let's say you're in the U.S. and you issue, um, uh, you know, you, I'm sorry, you're, you're in Europe, you're a, corp- a corporation, you're, you're, let's say the European Central Bank and you issue a $1,000 uh, euro bond, but it's, it's dollar denominated. So that means you owe the interest payments in dollars. Well, if the euro goes down to, you know, 50 cents uh, to, to one U.S. dollar, that means, you know, if you want um, a dollar, you, ne- you now need two euros, right? So anyway, um, so hopefully I'm explaining this correctly, but it means they have to come up with more euros. I probably didn't do a good job of that, but hopefully you get sort of the the general idea of it. It's just if you borrow in a currency, not your own, and your currency gets weaker, it's problematic because you have to come up with more of your own currency then to to make the interest payments. And so that's one of the reasons to watch the the EM markets in particular. Um, Now, with a strong US dollar, there's sort of good news and, and bad news, right? So a really strong US dollar, the easy one is, hey, you can travel different parts of the world and your money's going to go a lot further. Uh, anyone who went to Europe when it was close to, you know, uh, two to one, it was, you, know, you buy dinner, your $20 dinner is really like 40 bucks US. So that's a positive. Um, imports become really cheap. So 
if you're buying something from a foreign country and the U.S. dollar is really strong, well, it doesn't take as much U.S. US dollars to, to pay for that. So, you know, that's, that's pretty simple, right? Uh, U.S. dollar, also a lot of commodities are, well, most commodities are priced in U.S. dollars. It's, um, it's just how it is, right? So when there's a very, very strong U.S. dollar in theory, some of the, the cost to uh, buy commodities might be uh, cheaper for the U.S., uh, more expensive maybe for other countries. So, you know, that, that's sort of the, um, the good thing. The, the bad thing about a, a strong U.S. dollar is that our exports are probably going to go down because guess what? Everything that we export is now going to be much more expensive to those outside the U.S. And and this is kind of U.S. centric because that's where I am. But you know, if you're making uh, BMWs in Germany, not like we have the German marks anymore. But you know, if the German mark was thinking back in the day uh, went up ten times what it was, all of a sudden that that BMW becomes ten times more expensive. So you're probably not going to sell as many of those. Not going to export as many. Um, so it, it's, and, and then the other thing too is most, so the, the general thought is that weak U.S. dollar, good for stock market, and it's good for multinational companies because when they're selling their, uh, you know, the goods all over the world, the weaker the U.S. dollar, the more demand for, for their products is. And so um, in that way, you'd rather have a weak dollar. Now, with with a weak dollar, um, you know, other countries' stuff gets really expensive. So um, it it's could be, you know, I don't want to say it's somewhat inflationary because it goes back and forth. But um, you know, if you want to buy, let's say, a TV, or I was going to say a stereo. Does anybody buy stereos anymore? Probably not. Or you know, you want to import French wine or some food that's grown in, uh, you know, in Malaysia. Isn't the, uh, what food is grown in Malaysia? That's, uh, there's that, it almost looks like a watermelon. Dragon fruit. Is dragon fruit or is that, is that Thailand or, or Vietnam? I forget. I always, there's a sticker on the, the thing at the grocery store I've seen. So anyway, you know, if, if the U.S. dollar gets really weak, those things become more expensive they become much more expensive. So, you know, that's, that's problematic. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's good things and sort of bad things you can look at with a currency going up or down. And I mentioned the impact on corporations. So specifically to, you know, multinational corporations, if, if the, the dollar drops in value, um, as I said before, the goods that are, you know, priced in dollars, those sort of increase, and you know those import imports uh, become much much more expensive. And so, if you're a company, you've got to import all of your in input cost. Yeah, input import your input cost, right? So the stuff that you use in the plants and the machines, and you know, if uh, if you're buying something from overseas, it's an input cost. That's going to rise. Um, so, I mean, that's that's certainly 
it, it, in the past, it can certainly affect earnings. And then the other thing too, I would say is that, uh, you know, with regard to the, to the dollar, um, it's, so the U S dollar has quote unquote, this, you know, special reserve status, meaning it's the reserve currency for the world. But they, you know, typically in cases where we've seen really bad inflation, it's when you know, the, the country's own citizens or other countries or investors, whoever, they sort of lose confidence in that country's currency. And so once, once somebody loses, you know, confidence in the currency, they don't want it. And they view it as, you know, only going down. And so, you know, there, there's been people over the years who have said, look, all this national debt that's going up. Um, I thought the debts and deficits were an issue in the 80s. Uh, apparently they weren't. Uh, maybe, maybe one day they will. You know, we just added about 30% to the money supply. Although, as I've pointed out, money velocity has not gone up. It's at uh, all-time lows, at least going back to the early 60s. But um, that's the confidence part of it is important. And so if a country's currency sees confidence uh, diminish, that usually breeds more and more weakening of that currency. And only if they're able to, to set up a facility where they have some sort of guarantee of an exchange rate into U.S. dollars or some other. Uh, they did that in Chile. You can Google uh, currency board for how they fixed the Chilean, I think it was Chile, uh, Chilean uh, inflation problem. It might have been Argentina. I got I to gotta look that up. But you can Google one of those. The IMF has a, a paper on that. So, all right. All right. So we covered a lot of ground there and hopefully that makes sense. And we sort of get an understanding what the indexes are, what the different aspects of strong dollar, weak dollar, why it's important, the reserve currency. And so it kind of sum it up, you know, a strong dollar basically means, look, U.S. goods, more expensive, foreign markets. Uh, but great, we can import stuff. It's pretty cheap. We can get cheap stuff. And the problem for U.S. companies, especially global companies, is that their earnings may, may be hit. Um, and, and I'm not saying, you know, if the U.S. dollar index goes up a little bit. There's other things that can offset that, but all else equal. Right, because they're not able to to sell as much uh, U.S. products and services overseas, and depending upon you know the the climate, uh, companies might decide to uh, to move jobs outside of the U.S. Uh, because it becomes much much cheaper with a strong dollar, and obviously with a weak dollar, stuff is you know uh, goods services stuff in the U.S. is less expensive to uh, people in foreign countries. The imports get more expensive. That's obviously, a, you know, a con, I guess. And, but here's the good thing. Really, the U.S. companies become a lot more competitive globally. And because it's it just, uh, obviously, they, they can, the goods and services aren't as expensive, right? And so... The other thing to, to keep in mind is that, uh, at least as was reported, there's a large short position betting against the dollar. We'll see how that plays out. It's always interesting when one side of the trade gets uh, gets a lot of play. And the other thing to watch, too, is this whole uh, seesaw with interest rates, the U.S. dollar. 
uh, because in, in, you know, there's a lot that goes into this, but in a, in a weird way, if the U.S. dollar were to get really, really strong and the perception is that the U.S. dollar will continue to rise, it actually could help keep interest rates lower because that would mean a lot of uh, foreign buyers would come in and purchase uh, treasury notes or treasury bills. And because the, you know, the interest rate, right, uh, is more attractive on a relative basis, but the perception is, hey, let me, let me go to the currency that's going to appreciate against the, my own currency. And we know more buying in bonds, bonds prices go up, interest rates go down. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, by the way, just to be clear. Uh, but certainly that's, that's sort of a corollary. And by the way, um, you know, if you have a really strong uh, dollar, uh, typically, that means you know things like fuel are less expensive because they're they're priced in U.S. dollars. So, anyway, that's the that's the podcast for this week. Remember, please uh, you can rate and review and star and do all that stuff. But please share this with someone who you might think uh, would enjoy it or benefit from it. And uh, now you know a little bit about those dollar prices. All right, we'll talk to you next week.